From the wheat fields of the Thumb to the cherry trees on the Third Coast, Michigan grows more than 300 different foods and products that we all enjoy every day. We're on a mission to find every local restaurant, manufacturer, and food company sourcing their ingredients right here in the mitten. And in the process, bridge the gap between the farm and your fork. We want to introduce you to all things Michigan agriculture and food. This is Michigan AF. Hello and welcome to the Michigan AF podcast. I am your host, Noelle Knock-Reiner, and today we have a real treat for you. We are on location at Ed Dunback and Girls Farm Market in Grand Rapids. Now, when most people think about visiting a farm market or an orchard, they think about doing that in the summer or the fall, but Dunback and Girls is open for business year round. And today, we are visiting with Stephanie Ginsberg about what makes the farm so unique and different. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. So to begin, can you tell us a little bit about your family and the farm and how it got started? Sure. Uh, so my great-grandpa started the farm back in 1922. And at the time, he did um, dairy and fruit trees. Um, then my grandpa took over um, probably in the 30s, 40s, and uh, and he carried on the farm until the mid-80s when um, my mom started helping back on the farm. And uh, we actually used to be at Dunnebach and Sons, and um, unfortunately my grandpa's only son was drafted to Vietnam and killed over there. And that was in 1969. At that point in time, my Aunt Pam climbed up on the barn and changed it from Aunt's sons to Aunt girls. And there were two girls left, my mom being one of them, Sue Ann. And um, she has run the farm now for the last 40 years. And then she went on to have my sister and myself, two more girls, no more boys. And um, so I've been back on the farm for about um, 14 years now. Grew up here, left for a little while came back and uh, my sister just came back full-time this past spring actually so we've always had the farm market and doing all that so but we've definitely grown over the last 20 years so tell me a little bit what's your role here on the farm and at the market oh, everybody always asks for that and I always just say I'm just one of the girls because if something goes wrong then it could be any three of us not just me but um, I, I kind of pretty much run everything at this point in time. My sister helps me with staffing and running the market and things like that. My mom still does a lot of the harvesting and the crews, works with the crews and things like that. But when it comes to um, planning, um, events, new I, things that are going to come to the farm, adding food barrel sellers, those types of things, that's kind of been my, I guess, my legacy that I'm leaving with the farm at this point in time. So. Awesome. So you mentioned having events. When did you start having events and how did you kind of come to that decision? So I actually, um, I was in the mortgage business till uh, the 2000, 2009, 2008, 2009 when the market fell out. That's what I took as a job when I got out of college and um, the market fell out and I was like, I need to change. And uh, I come back here and my mom had put a bakery in um, the first kitchen, um, probably 
five years prior to that, I would say. In any ways, she had slowly grown up, but she was by herself doing it, you know, and um, my sister would help when she was still in high school and college and stuff. And um, when I came back, she asked me to go to a NAFMA conference, which is a group of farm markets across the United States and Canada that have a conglomerate basically and we they do um, advanced learning retreats and a national convention and I went with her to Baltimore and visited a handful of farms that I just was like blown away by their agritourism um, corn mazes and petting zoos and you know games on the farm the playgrounds things like that and so our first event was actually a corn maze that we put in um, and we've done that now for 13 seasons and then we've just slowly been adding to it and then again since adding Pink Barrel Cellars we've been able to move that a little bit further out to encompass bigger events and like our live music and things like that. So you've mentioned Pink Bar Barrel Cellars. I want to know a little bit more about that as well, how that came about and, and what it is that you're doing there. Yeah, so um, we started Pink Barrel Cellars in October of 2019, and that kind of came about uh, 10 years ago. Um, my dad's a builder. He builds a lot of the controlled atmosphere buildings that we store apples in over winter um, with insulated panels and those types of things for a lot of the ag uh, in the area. And, um, he was contacted by Perrin Brewery to help build their brewery. And so he did that, and then the owners were kind of like, well, you got a lot of land out there. You should maybe plant some hops. And so Mom and I went to MSU, and we took a couple classes on growing hops, and we put in two acres. Um, we quickly found out they're not necessarily hard to grow, but they're it's a difficult market to get your product out there and get it harvested and then to actually get paid on it. Michigan just didn't have a lot of infrastructure for harvesting and getting it to the breweries in the pelletized form. So um, we did that for about five years and then we kind of decided, oh, we're not really making any money on this. And I'm like, wait a second, before I rip them out, our township says, I read it as, if you grow it, you can make it. So then I'm like, well, we should be able to make beer. You know, it says wine, but. So then we started a process of, you know, getting applying for licenses, and it was not an easy road. We spent about two years with the township trying to get approved for this special land use, even though it was ag. Um, in our eyes, it was the ag because we were growing hops, but um, it took some convincing. But we did get there, and so now we were we poured our first beer on October first of 2019. Wow, that's incredible. And so you do primarily beer and then also some cider? Yep, so uh, we make all the beer in cider and seltzers, right downstairs in the basement of the barn. Uh, we have a wonderful brewmaster. Um, he actually came from parents, so we were very lucky in that respect. Um, John Stewart is his name, and he does an awesome job at it. And we joke because a long time ago, our barn, back 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, um, we used, my grandpa used to host barn parties and um, square dances every Saturday night. And um, they would, so they, there was a stage in the barn that's still here that we use now for live music. And um, they used to keep the barn or the beer downstairs because this cold storage was built into the hill, mm -hmm. so it was naturally cooler, so that's where they kept beer for the parties, and now we're making the beer down there, so we're kind of coming full circle, yes, I guess. It's definitely <laughs> full circle. Well, so a lot of farm markets and even agritourism, you know, places around Michigan close during the winter, and you don't. You are open year-round. Um, so, you know, tell us why, why do you stay open? How did you make that decision? <clears throat> 
basically when we decided that we were going to do the beer um, and add a full menu to our for a lunch menu and, and then stay open later on some nights in order to keep a full-time staff to, to stay consistent with our kitchen and product we needed to stay open year-round and um, make it sustainable and at first it was you know well let's not try to make all of our money you know and it's all down to September and October like two months out of the year are the big months and I remember one year we had rain like four or five out of the eight weekends and that was just blew the whole season because you literally have eight weekends during your fall season and so when we originally started talking about that was this how we can you know take some of the pressure off our fall season and spread it out a little bit we knew it was going to be busy then but how can we make it more beneficial to us, you know, on more of a year round? And there's a few farms that I've been talking to through the NAFMA group. And um, a lot of them are like, we're so excited for November 1st. And, um, but we really hope to grow it. Um, we've actually planted, uh, we have about 4,000 Christmas trees in the ground right now on a south farm. So we're hoping over the next 10 years that we'll be able to, we're gonna, um, you know, we're kind of planting over the next five years. but. Hoping that we can add that to our winter season. Um, we already have the staff for it, so we just feel like we're very blessed in that matter. And if we can give people work and they still want to work for us, then we're here to, you know, hang out and have fun. Um, so that's kind of how we became year-round, is basically staff and um, wanting to take the pressure off the fall season. Being that's so, that's so wonderful. Big. Good. So if someone wanted to come to the farm right now during these winter months, what kind of activities and things are going on that they can enjoy? Yeah. So um, Wednesday through Saturday is when we're open right now. We do take down our hours quite a bit for January, February, March. And mind you, this is our really our first winter season open because last year we had no indoor dining. Um, so we kind of have limped through the last two, two winters. But um, we have... Uh, trivia every Wednesday night from um, the trivia starts from 7 to 8. We have live music on Friday nights from 6 to 9 and then live music on Saturdays from 12 to 3. And then we'll throw in some various events and different things that have, are coming up here, especially in, in February. We kind of slowed down for the month of January after a busy holiday mm -hmm. and um, gearing up for Valentine's Day and that type of thing. Yeah, and so I know that you have a big event coming up for Valentine's Day. Can you share with us more about that and how people can uh, get tickets if they're still available? Yeah, so um, we are doing our first guest chef event. We have a local chef, um, Chef Jenny with the Goodies is her name. Uh, she won uh, the grocery awards or whatever it is on the Food Network. A lot of people don't know that, but she did. Oh. And um, I've known her for... I don't know, five or so years now, and we asked her to come out. She's doing a dinner on the Thursday before, um, I think it's the 10th, um, the Thursday before uh, Valentine's Day. So she's going to do a four-course meal um, here in the barn. It's a ticketed event. You can find those tickets on our website under the Visit Us tab. And then um, we'll have live music, a very nice dinner, just be a nice low-key night. We do still have tickets available. And then Saturday, we're doing our first um, Galentine's Day event. So we're going to have some different vendors in here with some special things just for your Gale Pails. Um, guys are welcome, but um, 
we call it Galentine's Day just for fun. And uh, so we'll have a photo booth and um, just some other things that we're going to offer for women to come out and do on a fun Saturday with their best friends. That sounds amazing. I, I might be back for that for sure. <laughs> Um, so during the summer and fall, though, what, what other kind of activities are happening during those months that people could enjoy? Yeah, so back to the farming part of it, we do grow things. So we start with asparagus in May. We do already picked and you pick asparagus, then we move into strawberries. We do you pick and already picked strawberries, then we go into sweet tart cherries in July. And we have a little bit of a break, but we don't really take a break. We've been doing sunflowers for four years now, so we'll usually have our sunflower festival somewhere in August. And then, of course, in the fall, you pick apples, pumpkins, all the corn maize, wagon risings, and that. And then throughout the summer, starting in May to, um, May to October, we do our farm concert series. So this is a, once a month, we do a bigger concert down in our field. Um, it is ticketed again, and there's once a month that we bring different local bands in to play. It's a ton of fun. You bring your lawn chair, we move the bar and the food down to the field, um, and it's a great time. And it's family friendly, everything's family friendly. And then of course, we'll still have live music on our Friday nights and Saturday afternoons. That's wonderful. Um, and I noticed that the you have a really big social media presence. I admit I've been stalking you for quite a while. Um, can you talk about why why you have that and how it plays a role in your, your overall business model? Well, I mean, I feel like it's really the only way to advertise at this point in time. And it makes you truly authentic. Um, they have to see who we are all the time in order to know that we're not going anywhere. So... Um, the biggest thing with our social media is being consistent, always showing things that we have going on the farm, and staying involved with our customers that are interacting with our customers that are on there. So I mentioned that you know we actually don't do it all ourselves. We have a little help. One a great friend of ours, she um, manages our social media. I love her to death. She totally gets our vibe and we meet on Mondays. We go over the weekly rundown and then we uh, she sets it all up and makes us look pretty and <laughs> and hopefully everybody wants to come out because of the wonderful things she's posting for us. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to come out for sure. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and, and having us out to the farm. We're really excited to, to look around and, and to do some other social media for ourselves as well. Um, so where can our listeners find uh, find Dumbback and Girls on social media and just on the web? Sure. Um, everything is at Dunabat Girls. So at Dunabat Girls on Instagram, on Facebook, we don't do a lot on Twitter, but Instagram and Facebook, we're starting TikTok. Uh, she's trying to move us to that, but it all takes us a lot of courage to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then our website is just dunabatgirls.com or for Pink Barrel, it's pinkbarrelsellers.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Whether you love live music or you're a trivia master or just enjoy Michigan-grown food and drinks, there is plenty for you to do at Dunabag Girls Farm Market, even in the dead of winter. This farm is just one example of how Michigan farmers are finding innovative ways to showcase their love of the land and community by sharing it with people. If you live in Grand Rapids or even if you just want to take a day trip, I promise you will not be disappointed. Thank 
thank you to Stephanie and the whole family for having us out. And please watch our Instagram at migrownmigrate uh, and Facebook channels for some behind the scenes from today's visit. As always, check back with us soon for more incredible farmer stories and to learn everything that is Michigan AF. The Michigan AF podcast is a project of the Michigan Ag Council and the Michigan Grown Michigan Great campaign. We are a coalition of farmers and agribusinesses committed to providing the best possible foods and products for our neighbors, communities, and the state we all love. To hear more podcasts and to learn about Michigan's agriculture-diverse sector, visit michigangrown.org.